I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm Martin Bayfield and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. This week we turned our attention to Wales in the final Six Nations special. We're joined by Wales legends Tom Shanklin and Andy Powell. We look forward to Wales' potential title decider against England this weekend and also tested our guests to see if they can handle the heat in a spice challenge. Ben Kay, Austin Healy and Sarah Elgin also joined us to give their thoughts on the rest of the upcoming Six Nations games and to review round 15 of the Aviva Premiership. Here are the best bits. Enjoy. Ah, thanks. Good to see you. Do you speak Welsh? Tipping back. Yeah, it's a tricky language, isn't it? It's very... Diano with that is pretty good effort. Did okay, did okay. Um, how's things? Yeah, very good. good. Very yeah. good. Looking yeah. forward to the weekend. Massively. Exciting times, isn't it? it? Is, yeah, definitely. Yeah. How do you think? How impressed have you been with with Wales so far? They have been impressive. They haven't really been playing that well, I don't think. I think England have been impressive as well. Um, so the two best teams in the tournament are facing each other on Saturday. So it's a huge one. Time to pull out a social stereotype as a bit of a prop. See what we've done here. What is it's, it? It's vaguely a leak. Oh, right. Vaguely oh, a leak. Right. It's, been, it's been arts and crafts here in the <laughs> BT Sports studio. But inside, we have, uh, we have our scroll on your life. Now, the one that really leaps out is this decision that you had to make. Having been qualified for Wales and qualified for England, you chose to go with Wales. Was it ultimately a pretty easy choice? Very easy choice. It was a very easy choice. Um, all my rugby was... <laughs> Will Green was a really good player. <laughs> I don't smell, do I? Um, your, your dad played for Wales. He did, So that yeah. must have been a huge Look, influence. All, all my family live in Wales. Um, I was just the one who was born in England. And grew up mostly in Wales. So I've been back and forth across the border. But I did have a phone call at, uh, at one stage. Yeah, I, no, I love this. I love this. Tell, tell me about this phone call. Well, also, I was playing at, at Saracens and I was 19 or 20 and I'd made the first team and was playing all right. And I was in training. After training, on the way back in the car, um, I was with David Flatman and my phone ring, rings. And uh, being like 19 or 20, I pick up and go, what, what's up? <laughs> and this... Uh, <laughs> we all remember that. We yeah. all did it. We, we all did it. Hopefully. Um, and this incredibly posh voice come on and... Tom, this is, this is Clive Woodward. And I was like, shut up, who, who is this? Bracken, is this you? And then after about 10 seconds, uh, the realisation <laughs> sets in that it's actually Clive Woodward ring me to see if I'd be, um, see if I'd be part of the uh, Six Nations squad. So, Yeah, now, very, very quickly, mm-hmm. you got another phone call from Graham Henry. Yes. Yeah. Um, you're happy with the choice you made. Could have gone a different way. It was, it was a nice confidence booster, wasn't it, to get asked to, to be part of a, a squad. But and the first thing I did was ring my dad and, 
he didn't really know what to say either. Um, but luckily, the next day, Graham Henry ran me. Um, I was up in training that week. I got capped by the A's, so there was no turning back. But, you know, every part of me is Welsh. All my family lived there. It's, uh, it was hugely the right decision. So plenty more Wales chat to come, but of course the Aviva Premiership rumbles on remorselessly through the Six Nations, stretching clubs to their absolute limits. Newcastle and Worcester would have certainly felt the pressure ahead of their clash on Friday night, which kicked off round 15. It comes at a really crucial time because it, it kind of just gives a bit of daylight now, doesn't it, between London Irish at the bottom and Worcester. Yeah, I think if you were London Irish, you would have wanted the result to go the other way and, and, and all that would have let Newcastle get even further ahead. Now there's a big gap of, you know, eight points and... It's going to be tough for them. They've got to go to New York this week, so maybe that difference will, will help them. And, you go to New York, Ben. Yeah, I'm going to New York. Yeah, I'm going to New York. You go to New York, Austin. No, I'm going to Coventry. It's ah. much nicer. I think you're fine. So we put that. It's a lovely, lovely place. <laughs> but, but you know, I think that probably the most worrying thing for them is the impact that some of the players that they've brought in, they've, they've had all season, but particularly the two guys that they've brought in mid-season um, have made and, and, and to the way they play and they just look a much more confident side. Yeah, let's talk about who had because he's been phenomenal. We thought he would make well, a massive I, difference and he I has. I said when they signed him what a great player he is and because of his versatility but he's back in his natural position at scrum off and he gives them a real energy and we've seen if you watch the Super 15 games at the minute there's a real pace and tempo to them and a lot of it stems from the nine. Coming around the corner distributing well looking for space getting the ball on the ground and he was really the catalyst for everything that good, was good that Worcester were doing. Um, his ability to get the ball away really quickly he gets to a breakdown. If the ball's available, he'll pass it. And that's what I really like about nines. We see too often a nine will wait for the ball, wait for someone to be in position. But he goes at the game, he really attacks. And uh, I think he's, uh, he's been a really, really good signing for I, Worcester. I agree. When, when you've got balance like that in a nine, what it does is... We know that Ben Youngs is a threat from the base. We know Danny Kerr's a threat from the base. Sometimes they don't give the ball quickly enough. Because he's constantly... We, they were going through 12 phases in that game. We counted them when they were... I counted to 12, it's quite impressive. <laughs> uh, when, they, when they were just zipping out, zipping out, and you could see the defence went from marking him to his, their heads up, what's going on out wide. Uh, and that's, that's when it's most dangerous, because he has got the ability to go, but he picks his time. He's not always thinking about, where's the break for me? There's nothing on for me. I'll give it out to the backs. And he's only there till the end of the season, I was reading this week that um, Olivier is trying to persuade him to stay at Worcester because that would be phenomenal, wouldn't it, for the Warriors if he stayed? He's an amazing player. Um, both of them are. But I think um, Hugard is he plays 11 as well. So, you know, he knows how to play the game. He knows what backs want. So the speed of game he increases is, is huge. Well, look, I mean, this is really is a very, very serious subject, uh, and it, uh, it kind of broke during this fallow period between two Six Nations rounds of matches, uh, and up it came. This was the headline as it broke in the Daily Telegraph. Banned contact rugby in schools, say health experts. Ben, when you read the headlines, heard the news breaking, what was your initial reaction? Um, well, it's an emotive subject for all rugby fans, and, and the danger is that we come back and we, we belittle everything and... You know, because we're so upset about it. But I, what I would like to see is some actual statistics. Now, I know that they, the, the people who've written this letter have said the RFU should be providing the statistics, but you can't go out and say ban contact from schoolboy rugby until the statistics are there. I personally don't think that's the answer. I don't think it's going to make a difference. It's about risk, 
against um, you know, reward, really. And, 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 of course, there's an element of risk to rugby. There's an element of risk to hockey and cricket with hard balls. There's an element of risk. My, my son broke his arm falling down the stairs. It was an accident. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really did, but we he puts his clothes away now, though, doesn't he? <laughs> he puts his clothes away. It, we didn't ban him from going upstairs. There's an element of risk <laughs> in, a in a lot of things that children do. Part of it is learning and growing up. Yes, we don't want any, um, any injuries that are preventable um, not being prevented, but equally, we can't just wrap our children up in cotton wool and, and otherwise, you know, they're, they're going to have problems later in life, in my opinion, because they're not going to have the character when things... I think we have to delve up. deeper into the data as well. When you look closely, and I've done this now, I've had a proper look at the letter that was sent, all the experts, uh, where all the sources were. Their sources are so dated. Some of them go back to 1976 and schoolboy injuries at that stage. The scrum laws caused a lot of injuries in those days when you used to be able to push and you two will have pushed against each other as far as you want. They changed that. You can only push a metre now in schoolboy rugby. That really changed the face of how many injuries we saw. So the data that they're producing their evidence on isn't strong enough to quantify the amount of misinformation that we it's received not, as a but nation. It's scaremongering, isn't well, it? It's a reflection. As a, as a same, as, same as Brexit. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a reflection of the, the problems in the adult game because a lot of world rugby's laws are changed because of the perception of danger. Now, we all made a big fuss about people getting taken out in the air, when actually that doesn't cause that many injuries. The most injuries we're seeing in the, in the elite level of the game is people's knees and ankles and, and things going. You know, concussions are a huge topic at the mm. moment. Actually, in school boy, school boy accidents, that's, that's not a huge percentage of why children go to A&E for any reason. So, uh, look, we've got to get it right that, that the perception that rugby is a dangerous game because there's big collisions every now and again, actually, is that resulting in the injuries or are the injuries happening elsewhere? When I was at school, my worst injury did my knee playing football, which actually caused me real problems throughout my career. Like a talent. One of the big <laughs> arguments and areas that they're looking at, Tom, is whether we bring in weight categories. Instead of doing, playing rugby by age groups, we're looking at, at weight categories. Certainly something they've used in New Zealand. They're kind of, some areas are dropping that now. They're not going with that. Um, is it a discussion in Welsh rugby? Is it something you've come across and thought, well, actually, that might be a good idea? I think it's a discussion for, for every player when they're coming up because there's always, when you're growing up, there's always a, a big guy who will always run over you and it'll utilise that strength. But... If he's up against people the same size as him, then he can't run over them, so it develops their skill. And I think that's why New Zealand are so good, because when they are grown up, they're playing against people their own weight. So if you're big and strong, you learn how to catch and pass. And you find a lot of players that come through are really big when they're younger, and they, they, have, they lack that ability to execute basic skills, you know, passing off the left, passing off the right. So I, I certainly think it's, it's something to look at, for sure. But you need the numbers, don't you, Ben? You need the numbers to be you able do, to do and, that. And there's a bit of a... I, I actually agree with that, but there's a bit of a counter-argument. A, yes, you need the numbers, and you might have a 13-year-old you know, kid at, or a 12-year-old kid at a primary school who can't play rugby because no-one in his school are, are the same weight. But I think the, the other issue is the likes of Jason Robinson, Shane Williams... They became amazing. No, he, he, was, he was useless. They came. I'd have battered those twelve Amazing sidestepping their footwork because they they wanted to keep away. And the people I was most scared running at me on the rugby field were people like Shane Williams and, and Jason Rums. I knew someone trying to run over the top of me. And anyone else, when you get to that senior level, it, it, it doesn't make a difference.
OK, so next up is a former Welsh international and British and Irish lion. He's played in both codes and had spells with no less than 11 clubs during his 17-year career. He spent almost as much time on the front pages as he has on the back. Sometimes controversial, often misunderstood, always good value. Please welcome Andy Powell. How are you, Andy? Are you OK? Good, sir. Very good. good. Very good. Do you like that introduction? Well, it's spot on, I thought. Was it true? Spot on. Is that often controversial, sometimes misunderstood? Um, I'm just an easy-going lad, you know. Yeah, I like to have a bit of fun on the way, and, you know, I think sometimes rugby's taken too seriously, and, you know, you have to enjoy it, and that's, I've always done that, so it's pretty good. <laughs> but sometimes you say exactly what's on your mind. Do you kind of worry about it then and kind of go, oh, man, what did I just come up with? Yeah, well, it's backfired a few times in my career, so uh, <laughs> that's probably, yeah... That's probably the best way to put it, yeah. But with, with all that in mind, some of the antics off-field has often kind of, I guess, overshadowed what you've actually achieved on it. You know, 23 Welsh... 20, yeah, 23, 23 yeah. Welsh caps, British Irish Lions, played in a World Cup. Um, how will you look back on your career? Um, if I did it all again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it one bit. I'd probably carry on and do it what I've done, so... There's a song there somewhere, isn't there? Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so that singing no, no, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't change much. I've had a great career and... It's, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs in your career and, you know, I've had them, but I've enjoyed it as well, so, you know. Tom, you've played against him, with him. A man you always want on your team, though, right? On and off the field. Don't change him. <laughs> Don't change him, he won't be Andy Powell otherwise. Um, yeah, just an incredible athlete. Burst onto the scene, didn't you, in 2008, Man of the Match performance against South Africa. Standard. Went on from there. <laughs> oh, listen, I could actually believe 11 clubs you've played for. That's quite a lot throughout your career. Newport, Llandovery, back to Newport, Bezier, Leicester, Tlenetli, Scarlet, Cardiff Blues, Wasp, Sale, Newport, Gwent Dragons, and now Merthyr. Yeah. So of all those clubs, is there one that kind of is closest to your heart? Or um, you enjoyed the period more than any other? I don't know, I don't know. I've enjoyed it every club, but I'd probably say Cardiff was good because I had my first cap, I played some good mm. rugby there, and, you know, I enjoyed coming to London, playing for Wasp, that was a great club. And, you know, Sale was a good club as well, so, yeah, pretty, pretty special. Um, OK, so, let's talk Merthyr, then. Merthyr, I keep on wanting to say Merthyr, which is Merthyr, of course, in Welsh, because Matt said. Um, championship club, um, it's been, a lot of money's being piled into that championship club at the moment. Are you enjoying your time there? Because you were their big signing in the summer to help on bring the lads <laughs> on. True? Are you enjoying oh, yourself? Yeah, I'm enjoying it, you know, it's... Train twice a week for an hour. Well, an hour. So <laughs> I haven't touched a weight for about twenty weeks, and I tell you, it's, it's just great. But I tell you, my body, my body feels fresh. You know, I think over the career I've had, which is seventeen years professional, you know, your body gets really tired, and now I just feel fresh. And it's, you know, a great bunch of lads, and you know, thoroughly enjoying it. We we we'll be talking a bit more about grassroots rugby in Wales a little bit later. But in your opinion, is it alive and strong from your experiences with Merthyr? Yeah, I think you know. You know, different age groups. I think it's, you know, Merth has got, you know, a few different youth levels, so it's quite good for all the youngsters coming up through. So I think it's vitally important, I think. Okay, right. So you're a dad now. Congratulations. Thank you. To get all respectable. Oh, now no. then. But I'm going to take you back to a couple of years ago when you had a bit of a misunderstanding <coughs> with your wife. Um, it was all over the papers. <laughs> um, and she decided to take it upon herself to put some of your much loved possessions on eBay. Like yeah. your Lions jerseys and your Wales jerseys and a lot of other things. So we kind of felt a little bit sorry for you that you, you know, you haven't got any of this memorabilia. So lads, can you 
Bring in some memorabilia so Andy can take home with him. There you go, mate. There you oh, go. Don't, 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 don't drive. Careful, it's not a lion's give you the horn. <laughs> As Austin found out, so we have a nice little picture of Austin. <laughs> You'll learn. Oh, mate. Brilliant. You've got a straw for him. For that. <laughs> it's not, they're not lion's jerseys, but, you know, you're more than welcome to take them um, back to Wales that. with you on the train tonight. Thank you very much. You're very, very welcome. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you very much. With three Grand Slams over the last, what, 12 seasons, the Welsh captain being the honour of being the Lions captain, leading them to victory and every chance of another Welsh Championship win this season. Surely life is good in Welsh rugby. Or maybe not. Sarah went hunting around to find out the full story. Five months ago, on a famous night in Bosnia, the Welsh football team qualified for a major tournament for the first time in 57 years. So with Welsh football now in the spotlight, where does that leave? Welsh rugby as the age-old debate flares up again. What is our national sport? Is it rugby or is it football? So let's have a look at some stats. A recent survey states that 212,000 Welsh adults play football, 90,000 play golf, whilst only 70,000 Welsh adults play rugby. But what about our children? Well, the percentage of children playing rugby in school has seen a slight increase since 2011 and has plateaued at around 35%. Football, on the other hand, has seen a steady increase, 41% in 2011, 51% in 2013, up to 56% in 2015. So Gareth Bale has always said as a child he would grow up and dream of playing in a major football tournament for Wales. But what do our children dream of? Do they dream of being the next Bale or the next Warburton? As a small nation, we can't afford to say football this, rugby that. You yeah. know, we have to facilitate and encourage the kids to play as many sports for as long as they can until they have to specialise them because the crossover between the sports, as we said earlier, is massive. And uh, that's going to benefit Oh, it's going to benefit the kids without the shadow of a doubt. You know, that's what we're lucky with, with Gareth. He, he played every sport and so did Sam. Mm -hmm. You know, they played every sport until they left. <laughs> what we look for is, is obviously the, the natural ability, but it's that dedication, attitude and commitment yeah. that makes the player. It's about squeezing the sponge and having no water in it, isn't it? <laughs> I like that. You know, I'm going to squeeze But it is, you know, and, and if you have a look at some of the boys we have now that have, that have come from the school and the girls, you know, they, 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 they don't leave anything to chance. You know, the preparation is, is spot on and uh, they do their talking on the field of play, which is great role models for the kids. Jonathan Davis, is, is the future of Welsh rugby I am safe? slightly worried. We've got fantastic um, athletes and I know there was a survey done uh, through the academies and you know, strength and conditioning was world class, you know, nutritional world class. But the problem they had was um, game management and um, core, core skills were zero. Mm. And yes, you can compete on the you know physical aspect of it, but it's game decision-making and skills at winning matches. Less than half a mile down the road, we're here at the home of another one of Wales's most famous sons. Escort Glantav is one of 43 schools who have joined forces with the WIU and employing a full-time rugby schools club hub officer to encourage the growth of rugby in Wales. We've got a, a new hub officer now, 
um, who's you know increased our participation in the primary school. Um, he's been in, in the four feeder schools. He's in there once a week, um, developing rugby at um, year fours, year five, year six. You know, so so introducing it at a younger age, and then sending him to clubs. So you know, it increases um, the numbers there. And obviously, girls rugby. You know, it's a massive push. Uh, you know, you see behind these sort of 60 girls running around throwing the ball. So um, I think that's a key focus of the WWE as well. And the man charged with epping participation is former Wales captain Ryan Jones. In a way, I guess you could look at football being in the spotlight as a good thing because it's, it's helping us, you, raise our game, right? I, th I think it is good for us. I think there's a lot of collaboration to be done and will be done. I think, again, the health offering for both is, is fantastic. Um, at the moment, possibly the, the format of football lends itself maybe to greater participation in that you can play five-a-side and two guys, two guys can turn up and put jumpers down in a park and one's in goals and one's shooting. But, you know, we, we're looking at how we can position our offering as just as attractive um, to grow it. But, again, I, you know, we, we are a nation of sports fans, you know, and the success of the national football team does have a crossover into, into rugby. And likewise, you know, people, people value and thrive on the success of, of, of this and the great work that these guys are doing too. And if you guys want to have your say on the state of Welsh rugby, um, the WYU set up a website, wyu.wales forward slash shape our game. OK, we'll start with Andy and Tom. What are you, what are you two smirking at at the end there? We were just chatting, and because Charlotte Church now lives in LA, does that make you the Queen of Wales? We just, we weren't sure whether that's the case, because that's what you've been telling us. I mean, you said it before. Is that true? Like, she, she the Queen of Wales? She's demanded the fly first class to me. If it's not the Queen, it's the Princess. Ah, <laughs> I love it, I love it. Right, let's get back to the topic of conversation. Do we even need to be having this debate, not about the Queen and Princess of Wales, but about, um, you know, Welsh rugby, Welsh football, what's the national sport of Wales? I think we do. I think we're, we're definitely competing a lot more now with football, with, you know, Swansea, with Cardiff a little bit, with... The Welsh team being in the Euros, so there's there's a lot more competition there, and obviously the WRU looked at it. They brought Ryan Jones in, a very good role model, an ex-captain, to increase participation. Now, it's not just rugby; it's referees, it's coaches, it's women's rugby, the lot. So we're trying to get more people involved in sport. And I suppose one of the biggest troubles we got is it does rain a lot in Wales as well. <laughs> um, if you can sort the weather out as well, that'd help. Because it does, you know, a lot of games, a lot of rugby's called off because of the amount of rain we've had. So possibly we need to look at changing it to the summer. Well, well there was a, a, there'd been some articles recently about changing it to the summer, but let's look at what we've got at the moment, see the structure okay. of Welsh Rugby. Does, does it work? We know that there was a big change many, many years ago to the, to the four regions. These are the regions, Scarlet's, Cardiff Blues, Newport Dragons and Ospreys. And these are the areas they cover. When you look at the colour, uh, the, the cover that Scarlet's have, it is an enormous region for them to, to organise and draw players from. These are the Premiership clubs. There's some big names missing from that that we maybe would expect to be there. Um, does it work? Uh, and, and because you're looking at teams that are, they don't go any higher. There is no promotion out of this. Does it kill the game or are these effective feeder clubs? I think, you know, years ago when you had a chance to go up, you can go up, like with England now, you go in a championship, you can go up to the premiership. And I think bringing the players through is massively important and I think with Wales it's gone a bit stale. But I think as a national side we're doing well, so but I think it's going to come to a time where everything's going to crash and, you know, I just hope we can keep going for a while. What, stop what stops that crash? Because... As he said, you know, the national team is doing very, very well indeed. The regions are not so well. No, not so well. Um, look, I, I firmly believe that we need all 
Welsh players playing in Wales. I think mm. you look at the, the top nations like New Zealand, you have to be playing in New Zealand. And I know there'd be people that says, well, you know, are they going to get better rugby outside at the likes of Toulon? But unless we get these players back, the league, I don't think, will be great. Um, we could possibly have a clause in there, like Australia have, where you know, you've got 30, 40 caps, then you can go outside. But we're developing players. We're developing a lot of youth, likes of George North. Um, and then, you know, we're not getting the benefit from it because he's, you know, he's off to places like Northampton and stuff. So I think it's, in order for us to improve the, the regional rugby, we need Welsh players playing in Wales. I mean, it's not just Wales we're talking about here, is it? I mean, we talk about England, Ireland, mm. Scotland. How do we start at grassroots level? How do we capture the imagination of the youngsters to want to play rugby? Well, look, I think part of the thing is... Why should they have to choose just rugby? Why, why can't you have guys playing football and rugby? The skill sets can cross over. You know, you get a, a lot more skill development with the kicking game, obviously, with football. So we should be encouraging children mm. to keep going at all, all games for as long as possible. I think with professional rugby, it sort of filters down. Everyone goes, right, they must concentrate and we must train the boys really hard. And It's about enjoyment and, and enjoying yourself. It's also about dreaming. And, you know, the, the, what, what the uh, regions haven't been able to do yet, which they probably hoped was, is pack out those stadiums every week and, and they see the footballers playing in front of packed out stadiums, living a, a glamorous life. And the dream is to have that, isn't it? And, and you know, I think part of the problem with the regional game is you lost those club rivalries that may be smaller grounds, but they used to fill them out because you'd go and you, know, you had that Derby Day experience like you'd have with a Northampton Leicester, which gets packed out every week. And you've lost that a little bit with the region. So it, it's tough for, for how you get that back and how you make it, you know, get that dream back in, in, into the kids. So some abrasive games in round 15. Saracens stay top despite their defeat to Northampton Saints. The Saints level out at fifth in the table. Saracens certainly struggling with the number of players they've had to relinquish to the Six Nations. Inexperienced, maybe at halfback, capitalised by the experience the Northampton Saints could feel. Leicester Tigers, they move up into the top three. Wasps, well, they struggle just a little bit. Sail Sharks, you can see they're putting real, real pressure on the top for a return to form for them. Harlequins, another team struggling with players disappearing for Six Nations. Their challenge for the top four is starting to falter badly. For Bath, well, an essential win for them. Question marks over whether they would be dragged into the relegation battle, eased for the time being against a London Irish team who really are struggling. Cut adrift there by eight points at the bottom of the table. Next for them, they have to impress in the Red Bull Arena in New York. But maybe, gentlemen, the biggest conversation piece was that Leicester Tigers extra Chiefs game. We'll come on to it in a minute, but what really tees it up well, hearing the words of Rob Baxter, how he felt after the game. He wasn't a happy man. Uh, what, what bothers me most is a TMO's there to help assist the referees do things well. And actually, there's a couple of big things that seem to have happened there that no one, no, 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 no one out of four officials has seen. You know, the, I think it was Freddie Burns, the two-on-one going in the corner, slaps the ball down. And it doesn't even get called as that's what the penalty's for. It was, which I just, I almost couldn't work out what was going on. And then, you know, a TMO saying there's a penalty try there and there's someone offside and we don't even get a penalty. You know, this, it's just, it's difficult, isn't it? You, you need to, you need to see it and need to see what the processes they're all going through because it, it just seemed an odd passage of a few minutes in that corner. Ben, that's as angry as we're ever going to hear Rob <laughs> Baxter. But does he have a point? He does. Yeah, absolutely. Because. I actually think Leicester's penalty uh, try that was awarded is a penalty try, but I think they, they were on the wrong end of a couple of decisions. I mean, this is where you hope, then, that the communication between the referees and the coaches, well, directors of rugby, 
keeps them in the loop as to what happened because you certainly get the feeling Rob Baxter, he doesn't complain about much. He had a point there, without a doubt. Absolutely, yeah. But it, I, equally, I know he's a nice guy, but a really classy response. He didn't lose his top. He said, these things happen. And when we interviewed him mid-game, he said, it's our fault. We've got ourselves in this position. All I've asked is the players work their hardest to get back. Uh, the initial goal is the bonus point, which they ended up getting. But... You know, those decisions go a different way and, and they could have been going for, for a winning try at the end instead of just a bonus point. Let's talk about Wales and the likelihood of the team that England are going to face, the team that Warren Gatland is going to put out. This is the team that took the field against France. Guys, have a look at this. What changes, if any, are going to be made? What do you think? Possibly, I think, Luke Charteris might come in to the second row. Um, there's talk of him being fit for Bradley Davis. Bradley Davis. Um, Charteris is obviously a great player, very good at stopping, <clears throat> driving lineouts, driving malls. Incredible. Um, I love the very fact good that you've come well. straight in on the forwards. Yeah. <laughs> love well, it. Probably say he's going to do the backs now. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, the team pretty much picks itself. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a settled team. There is talk of possibly Tom James on the wing instead of Cuthbert. I don't think it's going to make that much difference. But look, for me, these two are key. Yeah. Dan Biggerin in the way he plays. And Jamie Roberts, obviously, that, that out, to, out to win angle. Used to run for England, but with a bit more power and pace. <laughs> Andy, what about, what about a prop? What about here? This, this was a surprise. Do we think we're going to see Kevin Jenkins back in to start? I think Evans is a very good scrummager. And... I think with Gethin, you know, he can bring him on for the last 20 if, you know, if the England pack is getting tired or, you know. But I think, you know, for him coming off the bench, it's, you know, it's massive. OK, what, what about you talking about here about the, the uh, bigger at 10 and yeah. Roberts? What is the role of Roberts? Because there's rumours, potential, that England are going to bring to a Lange back, either to start or off the bench. There is rumours. Um, I don't know whether they will or not. Um, played well at the weekend, didn't he? But... I suppose England, when you look at their play, it's quite a big axis with that forward Farrell and the, the way Farrell can throw, you know, the missed pass and play that a little bit wider. Personally, I hope they stick to the same team because someone like Jamie, 17-plus stone, um, running at that 10-12 channel, you know he's coming, but it's a, it's a different thing to try and stop him and he's playing very, very well. And his job is to get over the game line. His job is to crash it up. Um, anywhere close to the five-metre line, you'll see that out-to-win angle, out angle, like against Scotland. Um, massively key to Wales. Austin, interesting what the comments coming out of, well, from Leicester and from England as far as Tulangi is concerned. This is what Paul Gustard had to say. There are a lot of good centres here in the group and the guys who've already been here have the jump on him, talking about Tulangi, obviously. Richard Cockrell saying Manu is still five or six games away from being fit for 80 minutes of Test Rugby. Is he worth the risk? I think he probably is, bearing in mind that we spoke about the midfield. Roberts is having a fantastic season. He made Dante look like a school kid against France, and you need some physicality there. I think uh, Owen will provide a little bit of that, but stood alongside Ford. I'd rather see um, Owen stand next to Manu and try and mark up that channel and secure it, because that really is key to Wales' game. OK, guys, let's have a little bit of fun, because we've got some white shirts mm. in here. <laughs> what about you, then, thinking, Ben, Austin, if you were to replace... A Welsh player with an English player. Which guys here do you think have the edge of their Welsh counterparts? Bearing in mind the Welsh knights. No, no, look, look, it's tough. One of the reasons it's tough is because Wales play almost like a club side, which is a positive. They play so well together as a team and, and you know, defensively very, very good. I think 
Yeah, actually, although I don't think Mako will start for England, potentially, I think he would suit the way Wales play and I, I think he would be a, a welcome addition. I think Baldwin is on better form than Hartley at the moment. His throwing's really improved. Uh, part of this, this scrum uh, did pretty well for the first few minutes against, or first half against France and then, then just fell apart a little bit. I'd still have Cole in there, but that's a tight one at the moment. Cole's not at quite at his height. I'd change... He picks himself, without a doubt. I'd change one of the second rows. Cruz has had a great tournament, but I just think Itoji is coming as well. I think Wales would quite appreciate someone with his power. That back row is superb, absolutely superb. Definitely those two guys stay. I think... Um, oh, has he gone on the floor yeah, here, has he? Yeah, Billy Vunapola, Faletau is the only question mark. Vunapola, his stats last week were amazing, but Faletau, whenever that question's been arised, who's going to win that battle? He's always stepped up, so it, it's tough, but I'd probably, probably make th uh, four, maybe three, maybe four changes. You go along with those? Possibly not. Uh, <laughs> How would you? How would you do it then? Um, there's obviously uh, some very good players playing for England at the moment. You know, Vinopola and Fatal. That's going to be a massive battle. They're cousins as well. Um, different types of players. You know, we see Vinopola in the loose and how well he carries. You know, England have a lot of short lineouts and they use Vinopola to smash it up. Falatau's missed something like two tackles in 240 yeah. minutes. You know, his work rate is ridiculous. Um, this, it's very close. Um, but I'm pretty much like the team that's already there. <laughs> but very quick, before you step in, what about this guy? I mean, it's, it's astonishing that he isn't been selected. Justin Tipperick, is he, is he still just the guy who's going to come off the bench and, and add a bit of pace off the bench? Different player, totally different yeah. player to Warburton. Warburton suits the way Gatlin wants to play because he's destructive. Um, he's very good at the breakdown. Tipperick is, is like an extra back. He's that link between the fours and backs. So in terms of someone that's going to come on and make a massive difference, Tipperick will make a massive difference. Gethin Jenkins will make a massive difference because very good over the ball. Like probably the second best jackler to Warburton. What about... Uh, have you got any comments, Oz, on that? Yeah, a few, but you haven't done the backs, and the backs are more important, so I'd pick Jack <laughs> now instead of Cuthbert. He's dropped. I'd pick Joseph in the outside centre instead of Davis. I think he's been the find of the last 12 yeah. months. He's been absolutely sensational. A difficult decision at full-back. He's not on here, but I'd actually pick um, Alex Good. I, I tell you, one other person that might make uh, an appearance is Webb at nine. Yeah. I don't think he'll start. Yeah. But different players to a different player to Gareth Davis, but back in fit, back in form, and and plays a game slightly different. Great. Okay. Well, let's get let's make our way to the comfy seats and talk about some of the other topics through the Six Nations. Let's just let's just top and tail then the uh, the England Wales game. Um, and when you look at it, uh, the England players aren't talking about it. But there's a potential for a Grand Slam. Wales can't get the Grand Slam because they've got that one draw in there, but they can still go for the championship. Where's the pressure? Because, of course, for England, last time they played Wales, it was the World Cup and things went horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah, you go back to that game and if they'd scored that try, it would have been a different... You know, you might not have Eddie Jones in now as a coach. You know, everything could have changed. But I think, you know, these games, Gatlin started his mind games and all of that before, and I don't, you know, I don't think Eddie Jones is going to get too involved in that, so... Um, for me, I, it's going to be a, well, I don't know, I think England might nick it by two points. I want Wales to win, but I think England by two. But I mean, as a nation, if you kind of read the, the <coughs> press and the media, we're feeling pretty confident, aren't we, going into this, Tom? Yeah, we, with that? rightly so. Um, you know, winning the game in the World Cup, 
2012. There's a lot of players in that Welsh team that won't be phased about going to Twickenham. And look, I th England have probably played the better rugby, I think, over the Six Nations. You've seen that with the tries and the way they've played. But let's not forget, this Welsh team is a team full of winners, full of Grand Slam, Championship winners, <coughs> Lions winners. So they'll know what it takes to win. At the moment, they're playing against the England team that haven't really won much. I mean, they're looking good and they're looking pretty motivated with a new coach. But the Welsh team is settled. Um, it picks itself, and I think that is a big, big positive. And, and it's physical. That's it's what, what, one thing that England have to get right is they made a few breaks last, last, last time round, couldn't finish them off. They won't get that number of opportunities against Wales. Their defence, again, is like a club team. They all know each other. They know where the weaknesses are. They look after each other. That is where England, if England get an opportunity, they have to finish it. OK, let's remind us how the table sits at the moment and then get on to the remaining fixtures. So this is the table. You can see why, as England sports are getting excited, you can see why the Welsh are getting excited as well. A championship very, very much there for the taking. If they beat England, their final game is against Italy. So Ireland kick things off against Italy, England, Wales, Scotland, France. For Ireland, Austin, it's, it's not been the best of, of seasons and championships for them. They're against an Italian team, again, who have had moments where they've impressed. Where do you see this one going? Well, I think it's going to be a tough game, but uh, you'd expect Ireland to win. Italy not playing particularly well. You look at the England-Wales game. Again, guys have spoken about it. Tough game, but England by 20. Uh, and then in the, in the final one, game, it, it could go either way. I but Scotland I, I quite fancy that. Scotland. Yeah. Yeah, you think Scotland are going to top Why is that? Why, why do you go for Scotland? I just don't think, you know, I don't think France are there. I think, I think, and mm. Scotland are uh, getting better and better every week. They got that that win eventually last weekend, and I think they'll kick on from there. It's like you have to be a huge weekend, isn't it? But it's not just Six Nations action this weekend, but here on BT Sport, we have got to be the Premiership action for you, of course. On Friday, it's Harlequins against Bath at the Stoop from 7pm. BT Sport won for that one. Then on Saturday, we've not got one, but we've got two games to Wasps against Leicester. Quarter past one kickoff there on BT Sport 1. And then we're rounding it all up with London Irish against Saracens Where's in New... Game? It's in New York, yeah, Ben. Yeah. You I'll and I will be there. there. Babes in Austin Cheers will us. be. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. That was our last Six Nations special, but we'll be back to normal next week where we'll be looking forward to the final round of the tournament. Don't forget you can apply for free tickets for all our upcoming shows by emailing audience at rugbytonight.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.